Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're in the market for a shooting machine, look no further than Dr. Dish Basketball's incredible lineup of shooting machines. Their CT, All-Star Plus, and Rebel Plus models have been bought by thousands of programs around the world, while their home model is being used by players all over the country, right in their own backyards and driveways. New to the lineup this year is the Dr. Dish facility model for those with basketball training businesses. These machines are must-have for those looking to take their shooting to the next level. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. It's great to have with us Associate Head Coach for the Furman Paladins, Coach Jeremy Grow. Coach, thanks for taking some time to talk. Absolutely, Coach Miller. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I've had the privilege to coach against Coach Grow several times. I uh, have watched multiple practices, observed them different places, and I thought for the topic today he would be perfect for this. I, I've seen him work with his players individually and then in a group setting as well. And so uh, what they do over there at Furman is similar to what we do at a higher higher level and, and uh, do it a little bit faster with bigger players. But footwork is what we want to talk about today. I, this last NCAA tournament, I feel like a lot was made as Villanova, each game going further and further in the tournament. I think it got more and more attention. And I know people have talked about it for a long time. Um, I know you you all there at Furman, you have a relationship with the Villanova staff. And even if nobody had seen you all play before, you turn on a Furman game and probably they saw this last last March, saw you all play a couple of times on national TV towards the end. You can pretty quickly tell that footwork is something that you all emphasize. In your words, just how important is footwork to your overall offensive system? I think it's critical for us. We've got a really fun, unique style of play. Uh, style play that's predicated on ball movement, player movement, cutting, and none of it's going to look as clean and crisp unless got proper footwork, guys drive the ball, they're under control, they can play behind, they it can slow them down. And so really, um, it's something that we work on every single day. How do you approach a shot? How do you approach a finish? All of that is critical in what we do with our skill work. And then our skill work eventually builds our offensive system. So it, it, it's absolutely critical. Let's talk about it from a team perspective. So practicing it daily, some people I think maybe it's like its own individual thing. I've seen others who incorporate it throughout. Um, and then I see to the far extreme, people are like, well, footwork, we do that all the time. We emphasize it just as we're playing. At least the last one sounds ideal. Do you have an opinion about maybe the best way to do it, and then how you re-emphasize it through gameplay? I think it needs to be a part of everything you do, and I think it needs to be really consistent for your players. I think if you give them different messages on what your belief system is in terms of making them the most efficient player, an efficient player will create an efficient offense and an efficient team. So I think it all starts with the individual. And as you build up, you know, for us, for example, we'll do skill workouts with one, all, just one coach, one player. We'll also do it um, more when we're with our team. It may be three guys at a time or full court, five on five. And so it's something that we're constantly, constantly stressing for our guys. What does good footwork look like on the offensive end? For us, and you talked about Villanova, you know, I spent 10 years at Xavier. And so in that time, I guess we would have we would have played against Villanova six years. I mean, to watch those guys, I'm, 
it's funny if, if you if you just throw on tape of Villanova, okay, and you don't understand what they are and what they're about, you're going to think it's the simplest thing you've ever seen, and it doesn't make any sense to how they're successful offensively. But as you watch them and study it, it's really just an incredible skill workout throughout a game. I mean, that's all it is. And so I think the first thing footwork-wise, which is critical, is how you approach a catch. Um, I think that being efficient with that is really, really important. We're huge here on one-two step, left-right for a right-handed guy, right-left for a left-handed guy. And that allows you, as you approach a ball, left-right. Now, you know, I'll back up a second. Coach, if we were to play one-on-one, I just flipped you a ball right now. Okay. What foot would you play off of? My left foot. Your left foot, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's where you're going to be most comfortable. So why would it be any different when you get into a game? Right. So we want to be left, right. So that, Hey, you go ahead, you know, if the shots there, great, same approach. Now you can, what we call shot, stop shot, fake off the catch. You can rip off a catch. You can play off that left foot for a right-handed player. And the player is naturally more comfortable. So I think how you approach the ball footwork-wise is absolutely critical. I think that's the most important. And then we're huge on the end of your drive. How, how do you play? We're, we're huge on playing off two feet. You know, and, and you talked about probably that's more what pops when you watch us play is playing off two feet. So kind of a little bit stolen from Villanova in terms of we're huge on outside-inside pivot foot, you know, pivot foot footwork. And so as we approach a finish, we'll put our – if you're driving right, that you put your right foot in the ground, then your left, and now you can go to and through. And, and But if you feel like you can't get by that guy, now that footwork allows you to pivot and play behind. And now, you know, it's really, really hard. It, it's, it's, it's easy on a whiteboard for a coach to say, hey, you got to maintain vision, you know, defensively. Well, now – if you get stuck, now you can play off two. And the other thing it does, play off two feet. If you make a ton of jump passes or a ton of one foot plays, you know that's about a half second decision. Mm-hmm. If you play off two feet, you go from a half second to five seconds, and mm-hmm. it really just slows the game down for your team, emphasizing playing off two feet. Yeah, I'll come back to the finishes in just a second. I want to talk about the speed and then also the decision making because I think those two are tied together a lot of times with our footwork. Do you feel like it allows you to, again, if you watch a Furman game, you can see the pace at which you all play is pretty high. I don't know. I didn't look at, like, possessions or anything like that, but, the, I mean, the ball doesn't stick. Footwork, I feel like, has a big part to do with that. What what does it allow you to do as far as, like, being able to accelerate the guy's decision-making process? I think it – probably does the opposite. You know, Mm -hmm. we are on our guys. I think it slows down the decision-making process, which is what you want. You know, we're on our guys, you know, Coach Ritchie for guys that watch us, obviously he's an incredible offensive mind. You know, we want to play at a fast pace. Um, I think the way we play, it's interesting. I think analytically it's a little bit, you know, we're, we're usually smack dab in the middle in terms of tempo and pace of play. Mm -hmm. I think it, I think it's probably a little bit of a misnomer in terms of what the defense feels because we play fast out of the net and we put a lot of pressure on you and we're trying to play fast and score as fast as possible. But then once the defense, you know, has you settled, well, now we're, we don't ever stop. So they feel like a little bit they're on a hamster wheel, but you know, that, that was a little bit of a tangent, but 
I think that it slows the decision-making process down because we want our guys to drive the ball really hard with force. Our offense is, you know, we're cutting, we're moving it, but essentially we're finding different ways to create closeouts, right? So whether that's through a cut, hit the cutter, throw behind the cutter, just we're, we're constantly putting pressure on the defense and to eventually get a closeout. Well, now we want those guys driving the ball with a ton of force. We want them low and to the ground. Well, if you just drive the ball as hard as you can and then the defense rotates and you don't ever stop and you just try to throw that thing off one foot, now all of a sudden you're throwing the ball in the fourth row. You know, we want those guys driving the ball hard, okay? The defense rotates, land on two feet, and see what what happened, right? Did the low man come over? Well, go ahead. You're going to land. You can skip the thing out. Or, you know, we do a lot with um, playing off penetration with circle cuts. We started playing with that probably a little bit more last year than, than normal where, hey, you a circle cut, meaning if I got the ball in the wing and I drive the ball to the baseline, uh, there may be a guy who – let me actually back up even more. If I were to drive down the lane line and I kick it to the corner, okay, go ahead, we early, what we call early post. Well, now on that second drive, the guy who originally kicked the ball, he'll circle opposite of where the ball is driven. Well, now that causes a lot of confusion for defenses, especially teams that, um, you know, the Texas Texas world side the ball and things like that. Well, now the low man gets all screwed up. Well, if you just go and drive the ball as hard as you can – and now you don't stop and play off two feet. Well, you're not going to be able, you're not going to be able to see two, three guys. You're going to have it's a it's a one man. You don't have enough time to make a decision. So I think it actually what it does, I think it really slows the game down for our guys and allows us to play under control. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you can get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal shooting percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Combined with HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. You're talking about the finishes. Do you do you have a list of finishes that you work with them on? Or is it pick your favorite ones? Or do you feel like if you were to watch a Furman team play, are they finishing with like the same five or six finishes? We're pretty specific. I give Coach Richie a lot of credit. Um, I've never seen someone, and he's obviously taught taught our staff. Um, I've never seen someone slow down the technique of finishing like him, and then expect it to be applied within within the organization. And so we've got a we've got a core group of five or six where you know two and through where it's just so your simple two foot finish inside hand is big for us. Um, we call it a show and go where you're kind of outside inside. Now maybe the defense overruns you a little bit. You know, Rajon Rondo was famous for it. You know, you kind of show the ball and, and kind of shoot maybe a little bit of a fade, or you can step through, you show the ball again, step through off that. That's a big one for us. You know, I think Barclays are just becoming big in general. 
you know, among among basketball where you drive the ball hard baseline, flip your hips, and you kind of take slow, methodical dribbles to get to your spot, almost perimeter to post where you, where you drive the ball hard and then all of a sudden become a post player. Obviously, Villanova is famous for all that, you know, with, with I mean, you go down the line with how they've done it with Brunson and before him, Archie Diacono. And, I mean, it's just like guy after guy. Now it's Gillespie, and it's just guy after guy after guy. Um that's a huge finish for us. And then, you know, there's a little bit of a caveat. You know, if you've got if you've got a smaller guard, sometimes I think you you know, we have to get a little bit more creative in terms of what we give him. You can probably tell just a few minutes into this talk how big we are playing off two feet. There may be, depending on size, if there's a certain guy that's a little smaller, he may need a, a different kind of an edge or angle to get his finish off, then, then we may be a little bit less uh, stringent on that. But otherwise, for the most part, um, you know, we pretty much rep the same types of finishes over and over again. And we're huge in terms of, you know, what is your base when you, you know, we want guys low on their finish, exploding up. Uh, we use the ter- terminology to and through. So we're to the pad or to the defense and through them. And then we're really big in terms of calling it no bent limbs. So you want full extension on your finish. You don't want any finishes, you know, at the elbow, elbow cracked low. You want full extension and then try to get that ball as high off the glass as you can. Do you, I would assume from what you just said, do you practice everything with everybody or do you split up guards and forwards? Or is there a point to it that you get to where everybody's the same, but then you kind of switch it up? How does that work? You know, for us, I think what's unique about how we play and how we practice is even in season, we're doing 30 minutes of skill every single day. And we've got a good setup for practice. You know, Coach, I know you've been been over, but on our in our arena, when we fold back all the bleachers, we have two full courts. And so we really split up guards, wings, and bigs um, almost every day. And kind of a staple drill of what we do is something called finishing school. And we'll go through all those finishes we just talked about. And it's about eight to 10 minutes. And, you know, it can get monotonous for guys, but you but you can't let it as a coach, right? Like those are the fine details um, to make sure that when you get in that game and you need it the most, you got all the habits built. And, we, we you know, we're huge on padding those guys and making sure that um, everything's game-like. You know, something that we'll experiment with a little bit too is, you know, just putting the pad on even as they get the ball or as they're driving the ball initially, where it's not just the guy standing under the rim. Like we may move with them and let those guys feel the different angles and how you have to get to the body of the defender and how you have to drive in a straight line and then get to the pad, go up, finish it. And so that when they get into a game, they've experienced those things. Those things are game-like. It's not just, Hey, we're working all these finishes, one over air. Well, what's that going to do? Like, there's big bodies down there. You know, if you get by a guy, well, someone's coming over to rotate and you got to go up there and finish the thing. Okay. And uh, so, so we'll try to put our guys in different simulations like that just to make sure it's game-like. Are there finishes associated with where or how a defender is playing that guy? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think, um, I mean, if a guy's on the inside of you and you've got a little bit of an angle, probably just going to go to and through, put your shoulder onto him, explode up. You know, no bent limbs, get that thing high off the glass. You know, inside hand can be used a couple different ways. Um, if the defender, for some reason, on the outside of you, that's obviously a really good time to go inside hand to keep the ball away from the defender. Or it may just be that 
you got a quick step on them and you can kind of scoop it up there a little quicker going inside hand versus getting it back to, out to your to your outside hand. Um, you know, with Barkley, it's, hey, I drove the ball hard and you know what? The guy cut me off. Well, cool. We're not going to stop. The music doesn't stop. We just keep going. We stay on the attack. Um, and then show and go, same thing. It's, hey, maybe you drove the ball hard and we play off two feet and you're under control and you're driving the ball so hard that the defense isn't under control. And you can use that to just separate and, and create a little space. And, and so um, and we, and we, we simulate those things with the pad or with dummy defense to make sure those guys can feel when and how to make those decisions on what the finish is to go with the footwork. You mentioned the finishing school. Like, what does it look like in practice? Do you, are you guys mostly five on five? Are you doing small sided games or how do you get them the reps on the footwork and the finishes? Yeah. For finishing school, it's really, really simple. I mean, we just line those guys up at the elbow and, you know, for example, I've got the guards position group. So those four guys are in a line on the elbow. They all got a ball. There's a pad sitting, sitting underneath the basket and they'll pass me the ball. I'll flip it right back. And they, they're low in their base. They've got low hips, and they tack the ball, and they're outside, inside, and we work on those finishes. And we'll just sort of call them out and go through all the, the main ones we go through. And it's really simple. You know, we're not necessarily the yeller, screamer staff. It's, hey, your hips were high, go again. Okay, you, you didn't have full extension. You're, you had a bent arm, go again. Ball wasn't high enough on the glass, go again. And we perfect all those details. And we want perfect finishes. The other thing um, that we'll really, really pay attention to, especially in that drill, but just really in general, is how does a guy land after the finish? If he's falling out of bounds after the, after he gets padded, that means he had no balance. We, you know, we made the analogy. I made the analogy to um, to our guys during spring workouts. It's like when you watch the Olympics and they the gymnastics and they jump off the high beam. Like you want to be the gymnast that sticks that landing and you're not moving around, that tells you, that tells us you're on balance. And that's a huge piece to getting and ones and making sure you're playing under control at the end of those finishes. So we'll just, we'll literally go through all this stuff over and over again and make sure all the small details are, are correct. You've been there firming for a while now. Have you always, has this always been an emphasis or have you emphasized it more so in the last few years? And I guess, you know, in relationship to that, have you seen improvement over the over the years with this and with it with what it's done for your overall offensive system? It's, it's you know I, I just finished my third season here and it was um, that that's kind of how it's been since I've been here and um, it was a pretty easy transition for me getting here. That's that's really similar to how we did things at Xavier. We always played off two feet. Um, it's hard not to watch Villanova, you know, in your conference play and not. Mm -hmm pick that up from those guys, you know? And so, um, but since I've been here, that's, that's been a huge staple of what we do. I mean, you'd be amazed. I, I had, we played a high major game a couple of years ago and uh, probably should have won the game. And a staff member called me, a staff member called coach Richie after the game, like, Hey, what do you, what do you guys do with this two feet stuff? Like, how do you guys get those, get your guys to do it? And, you know, it's, it's a compliment, right? It, it's, it, it keeps your guys under control. You know, they can pass the ball better. So I think it's critical to what we do, and it really allows us to continue to constantly put stress on the defense because if option A doesn't work, it allows you to land, play under control, 
And now you're dealing with option B, right? And so you can just stay on the attack. And I think that more than our offensive, you know, the X's and O's of what we do, I think what what makes defenses uncomfortable when we play them is that it just doesn't stop. We're able to bridge concept A to B, then C, then D, and it, the defense never – we're never pulling the ball out and just – you know, come up, go ahead and set this ball. No, we're constantly going. We're constantly going. And so I think playing off two feet allows us to bridge those gaps conceptually really, really well and, and under control. You mentioned the shooting, and I, I'll tie this into something else here in a moment, but the footwork for the shooting, but then also do you feel like that has improved the shot-making ability of your guys? I think it has. I think it gives those guys a constant approach. You know, the one thing – I think we're a little bit, we're pretty strict, right? You got to be low hips. You're stepping in the ball, one, two into every shot, square, you know, five toes to the rim, 10 toes to the rim, pretty rigid on, on how we approach the ball. You know, I think the one thing that that is a little bit more guy to guy, follow me on this. If you're a right-handed guy and you're running up the floor from the right corner, to the right wing or the right wing to the right slot, you know, it's probably 50-50 in terms of what guys are comfortable with, if they're comfortable still flipping their hips to go left-right versus going inside foot and playing from there. You know, me personally, I'm still a really big believer on flipping your hips and stepping into it one-two so that if the defense does take that shot away, what we talked about first, right, just being able to play off your left foot, but if a guy, you know, if a guy's an elite shooter and that's kind of what he feels comfortable with, I, you know, we're not going to mess with that. You know, we're going to we're not going to overthink this thing. Um, but the other stuff, yeah, we're pretty, you know, we don't want guys hopping into the ball. We want guys to be able to approach this thing one, two and stay on balance and 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 one, two into every single ball they catch, whether they shoot it or not. I mean, I've definitely felt what you just said. Like there are some things that I feel like are absolutes. Oh. And then you have what is a guy comfortable with, right? Because if you go to too rigid, then it takes away from maybe things, especially at the college level that they've been doing for years. And you can almost you're, you're causing them to have to go way back to improve. And that can almost do like more harm. I guess last thing, just kind of like summarizing, because I've heard you say, um, you know, balance and the decision making almost that it's slowing, slowing the game down for guys because there's not a rush to do something. They know what's coming next or they know what to look for because their footwork's already taken care of. What are some of the most important things that the coach should be communicating to the players in regards to their footwork? I think, um, you know, just being consistent in your communication. So guys made fun of me when I first got here. I know it sounds crazy. When guys would drive, I'd start yelling land. You know, just so they would play off two feet and play under control. But I, I think just I think we use the terminology, you know, one, two in every into every ball. And then at the end of drives, we're outside, inside pivot foot. And I think sometimes you can probably tell those guys too much and just being able to keep the things simple and concise so that I think terminology is huge in consistency. So you don't want one coach saying one thing and then another coach saying another thing. That's going to start confusing the players, right? You want to be aligned in terms of how you communicate. So I think the more, whatever that terminology is for you, right? I mean, our, at Furman, it may be different than, than someone listening to this at, at a different school or a different program. So I think just being consistent in terms of how you're coaching, what you're coaching, 
is critical. And then you can't get too bogged down and try to do everything, right? Just be really good at three simple things. Terminology, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with the terminology part of it. If you want to hear more about Furman's terminology, Coach Richie came on two years ago, I think it was. Did he? Did he? Did he? The secrets? Uh, to a point. To a point. Okay. I never ask anybody to give me all of them, but he gave yeah. enough. It was definitely worthwhile. So I'll tell you what. I didn't know what you know. I thought I knew a little bit about basketball before I got here. I had no idea what we yeah. were talking about for about six months. But I think <laughs> I think I got to figure it out now. But it's, it's unique, right, guys? Yeah. Guys buy into it. And yeah own language out on the floor or in the yeah. in the uh, team meeting room or in practice and and it's it's pretty cool to see yeah i mean that's that's primarily what he talked about and i think that's the secret and the secret is in plain sight is it lends to your overall team culture and it, it's something that even within gameplay like you mentioned like giving those verbal cues that's part of teaching and i think that that can help improve a kid's footwork as much as teaching them this is how you do it one two do it that way now. The feedback that you're giving live is almost as as important as the teaching during and then, you know, watching the film. And now you can tie it back to the things that you just said in practice. Remember, we talked about this, you know, land on two, land, land, land. And uh, then you can communicate that in a game. And that's where it becomes a habit. And then the players are doing it without, for sure, it, it all lends itself one thing to another. And so I hope people don't listen to this just in isolation and think just footwork. It's it's a bigger picture, and you guys do a fantastic job of making sure you're very intentional of tying everything together so that the players become better basketball players, not just good at one thing or great at one yeah, thing. Yeah, no, I appreciate so, that. That's Coach Jeremy Groh, Associate Head Coach for the Furman Paladins. Coach, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me.